0: Psalm chapter 119:105 through 112 says Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted, give me help. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my free will offerings of praise. O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Father, I thank you that Jesus did have that commitment while he was here on the earth. And that he did commit all the way to the end. And he did lay down his life. And he did die upon the cross. And he did rise again. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for this day of remembrance to remember what you did for us. Not only living a sinless life, not only dying a horrible death, but most importantly, rising from the dead with power forevermore. Lord, we thank you for that. and We glorify your name this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, why don't you turn to one another and tell, them, tell each other that He has risen. Hallelujah. So exciting to be here this morning with each and every one of you. Glory to God. We're going to receive our offering now. The ushers have offering envelopes. If you so desire to, uh, to receive or to give this morning, go ahead and uh, take one of those offering envelopes. And as they do, uh, just want to thank everybody that was a part of the uh, outreach yesterday at uh, Grandy, Minnesota. It was wonderful. We had over, about over 60 people uh, gathered together and, and uh, we met together first at the church in, in Grandy. And we uh, prayed together and we uh, worshiped together and uh, we had some instruction and some encouragement and we actually even prayed for the sick a little bit while we were there and so about a number of things happened and then we went on to the restaurant over at uh, the Brass Rail and uh, we had a wonderful lunch, but uh, in that process, we, uh, we were able to pray for the owner of the business, pray for the staff, and, uh, to, uh, and to bless them and to be a part of their day and their, their, uh, their lives. And we found out uh, that the, uh, the one of the waitresses who was, was uh, waiting on us throughout the morning uh, is uh, had been in financial despair, so we definitely heard from God that it was to bless her and to bless them, and uh, that was neat. And also that we found out that her her mother had passed away within the last week, and so uh, as an encouragement, she was so blessed. She she kept saying, "You guys have to stop. I'm going to cry," and uh, that's uh, always fun. And uh, <laughs> but it was a blessing thank you so much for being a part of that. We definitely made an impact. Now what's going to be, to me, what's important is what we hear from this point on. The the testimonies of people's lives that were touched. We already know of of uh, some of the other people who were in the establishment while we were there. Uh, uh, some of our folks knew them and had a conversation with them. We were able to, to share with them what we were doing. And so that's what it's all about. It's being the, the kingdom of God in our community. And so it's very exciting to to be a part of that and, and uh, to, to continue to do what God wants us to do in the St. Croix River Valley. Um, we, you know, we're, we're praying for and believing for this whole area to be filled with the glory of God. All the way from Solon Springs to Prescott, and right now we're in the, in the plans, in the, in the uh, uh, negotiation stage, the planning stage. It looks like our next day out, uh, so we call these day outs, day out in Grandy, our next day out will be in Prescott. Uh, Wisconsin, but it'll be in conjunction with. Uh, do you remember if if you've been here before, been here for a while? Uh, back in 2014, there was a gentleman from Illinois that had come through, and God put on his heart a, a vision to uh, to preach revival meetings all the way from the top of the of the of the uh, Mississippi River all the way to the Gulf of Mexico, and uh, God led him to Prescott, and and uh, he had um we held one there in in September of 2014 and uh, a la- couple of weeks ago i was praying seeking the lord and and i i kept getting his name and kept praying for him and for his ministry i didn't had no idea i hadn't heard in a couple of years where he was what he was doing and within 3 days he he emailed me and said god spoke to him to come back back this way again and so it's going to be. Uh, here's an opportunity for us to maybe do two things at once: uh, do a uh, do our day out in Prescott, um, but also to do have him be a speaker. And I've already talked to a, another bar. It's great. I love it when the church goes to the bar. And uh, I've talked to another bar in Wisconsin uh, in, in Prescott. And they're they're saying as far as we can see, there's no reason not to allow you to do this, and so we'll be able to have our day out, be have a meal there. The food's really good. Uh, I'm not going to tell you where it is yet till we get it finalized, but uh, it's it, the the deck of the the bar actually is is looks over overlooks where the Saint Croix River and the Mississippi River conjoin. So it's uh, it's very. Very, uh, very exciting to be a part of that. So keep praying that all the doors open up the way, right way, and we'll give you, a, we'll give, a, the announcement as soon as we possibly can. Amen? And so, uh, that's one announcement. The second announcement that I have, unless I, is there anything else that I need to share? Anything, I know of anything that needs to be shared, is that, uh, another thing the Lord's been doing is with this, these outreaches with the prayer that we've been putting in, with this, with with everything else that's starting to happen in the valley and in this church, uh, we're getting busier and busier. And uh, but God is faithful. We've been praying for for laborers to be brought into the harvest field. And uh, we're praying that for this church, we're praying that for the St. Croix, Croix Falls Church. we're praying that for Grandy, and God's doing it. It's amazing that God is bringing people in of quality and of of uh, maturity who can be you know, put their hand to the plow right away. Um, it's been on my heart for quite some time to have uh, someone else. Uh, within our body, who can be ministering to people? People who have have uh, needs. People who have uh, maybe and you find yourself in the hospital. Um, I've always done that. Pastor Greg has gone to the hospital. Pastor Karen. We've all uh, done that at times. We we try to be at at somebody's procedure if they're going to be. Uh, having a surgery uh, first thing in the morning or during the day, we want to be there to be to pray, but the problem is we can 't always make it um, we can 't always be there and, and uh, be there when the person uh, is going in for that surgery or even right afterwards or whatever and so it 's always good to have more people who can do that, and uh, God has been very gracious. To, uh, to bring Jim Hoffman uh, to our congregation, Jim and Linda. Linda, you may know, uh, has been here forever, but uh, <laughs> actually it was Linda who drew Jim this direction. No, <laughs> but God has. It's God's plan. But Jim has been a minister for many years. Actually, Jim, why don't you come on up? And actually, Linda, why don't you come with him, please? And uh, Jim has been a minister for many years. I'll have him share just a little bit about himself Uh, I didn't uh, warn him ahead of time he was going to be saying anything, but here's a test. uh, Ready, in season and out. But he's been a minister for many years, and it's uh, on his heart to do this kind of ministry. And so I wanted to introduce him this morning, have him share just a little bit. But then uh, we're going to pray for him uh, and and set him in that place of ministering to the body in this way. So Jim, why don't you share a little bit about yourself and Linda and
1: any deep, dark secrets you want to... Uh, my name is Jim. I've met a lot of you. i uh, been walking with the Lord for about 40 years. And a few years ago, God spoke to me to be a pastor. And I said, well, how's that going to look? And uh, I just try to follow him and uh, serve where he wants me to serve. I'm just his guy, you know. I'm open to whatever the Lord leads, wherever he takes me. I've done children's ministry, I've done prison ministry, I've been worked with felons, prostitutes, everything like that, wherever the Lord leads me. And I just want to be His guy, you know. And I trust the Lord for His uh, anointing, for Him to lead me by His Holy Spirit in ministry, you know, and uh, just to give a heart of compassion. And, a, and just uh, what, what I try to be as a Barnabas. I try to build, build, build the saints, build the saints, grow the saints, and uh, walk alongside them wherever I can. So that's about it. That's all she wrote. <laughs> you know, we'll press that A and let her be at that. <laughs> what do you think there, big fellow? So far so good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you want her to her talk?
0: No, we guess got to stay here. you guess got to stay here. Both <laughs> guess stay here. Do you want to talk?
1: be a first. Uh, Well, that's just, I just want to say it's really good to be back here. And boy, you know, you think you know where God's taken you, and I mean, that I'm remarried and back here is like, really God? <laughs> so I'm just grateful to be here. Um, and this is where I was comfortable. And now God brought me back after a bit of a test at the other church. But anyway, <laughs> um, I'm blessed I feel, I feel to be <laughs> I, yeah. Church. She shall return. Here she is. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm just grateful to be here and I love you all. And Amen. this is just a whole new road for me. So, Amen. thank you, Jesus. Amen. Good. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Yes. Well, in, in the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul wrote to the Ephesians and he said that uh, in the body he places gifts. And these guys are a gift. These guys are a blessing, and I we receive that gift, Amen. We receive them as as uh, the gifts that God has placed here, and and uh, and the other gifts that'll be coming, and the gifts that are already here that'll be rising to the top. And but uh, let's pray for them right now, and let's just let's uh, dedicate this time and their this part of their lives to His His plans and purposes, Father. We're so excited for Jim and Linda to be here, and we're so excited for what you're doing in their lives and in ours. Father, I thank you for the gifts and callings that are within them, and that those gifts and callings are going to be a a blessing to this church, this body, to each of us, and also to the community around us. Father, we receive them in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for their their ability to hear your voice, their ability to speak your word in due season, and for their ability to show the love of Jesus Christ to every everyone that they meet. Father, we bless them right now. We bless them in the name of the Lord. And we thank you, Father, that as they put their hands to the plow, even as in this area of hospital visits and and ministry to to those that are that are uh, are going through stuff, that they will show the love of God in every situation, and they will have the power of God flowing through them to minister with might and with love. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Glory to God. Amen. So, if uh, if you uh, find yourself in the hospital and you see Jim show up it's okay. It really is. It's good. So let's give them a warm welcome. Glory to God. (laughs) Uh, Let's pray and we'll receive our offering. Father, you're so good to us. Father, you're so good that, that you showed us how to give. You gave your most precious gift, Jesus Christ, and you gave him without holding back. Father, I thank you that This morning as we give, Father, it's just a a reminder to ourselves that everything we have is yours already. Everything we have, we've received from you. And so, Father, we're showing this morning, through this offering time, we're, we're making a statement that we trust you with our lives. We trust you with our stuff. We trust you in all things, and that we're putting you first. As we give this morning by faith, I thank you Lord that every need that we have is met. Every need that the kingdom of God has is met. Every one of our missionaries, every one of our outreaches, every one of our everything that we have need of is overly abundantly provided for. Thank you for it, Father. I thank you for every gift, every giver, every person, every everyone who desired to give this morning and couldn't. I thank you Lord that you give seed to the sower. And that you give them everything they need for life and godliness. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to Isaiah. Isaiah 52. And as I begin to read, what I have this morning is interesting. It's just it's a series of verses. Series of verses in the Old Testament and a series of verses in the New Testament. But there's a a desire by not only myself, but I believe by the Holy Spirit for people to be set free this morning. God has done an amazing thing. God has done an absolutely above and beyond amazing thing when He sent Jesus Christ to live on this earth. He had a plan. He he had a plan from the very beginning. From Genesis chapter 3, God told the serpent, yeah, okay, well, you've done this, but there's going to be one coming who's going to crush your head. And Jesus did that on Good Friday, on Good Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever you want to... Whatever you, however you understand it. And He did. It seemed like the serpent bruised His heel. He took Him down for a while. But in the end... He lost. And these verses in Isaiah, which were a couple thousand years before Jesus even stepped foot on the earth, foretold what was about to happen. Beginning with Isaiah 52, verse 13, says this Behold, my servant shall act wisely, he shall be high and lifted up, and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations, kings shall shut their mouths because of him, for that which was not been told, has not been told, them they see, and that which they have not heard, they understand. That's talking about us. We weren't there. We weren't there the day that Jesus was crucified. We weren't there to see it with our eyes, to hear what was happening with our ears. We weren't there. Isaiah was talking about you and I. He was talking about people to come that we're going to hear and see. We're going to understand something that, is, that he hadn't heard or seen. He only heard it in the Spirit. He only saw it in the Spirit. The Bible says that, that this is the stuff. What Jesus did on the earth was the stuff that the prophets wished they could see. Because they heard about it, they saw it in the Spirit, but they didn't see it in the the natural. But they watched it uh, by the, 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 the Spirit of God speaking to them, and it started to make sense, but they still didn't see it for thousands of years. Some of them thousands of years. Yet Christ came. God did exactly what he said he would do. Jesus, on Good Friday, was high and lifted up. He was high and lifted up. He was put on a cross, and he was lifted up for all men to see. He was beaten. We're not going to go through the, 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 the story with that, that whole part of it. You know, if you've seen The Passion of the Christ, you get a taste of it. You get a flavor for, for what happened. I could only, I've only been able to watch that movie twice. Twice. The first time I was so angry. The second time I was, I was an emotional wreck. And I just, I've never been able to watch it again. To see what happened to him. But I mean, that's just a, a, a very small glimpse. That's just a very light. This verse here, these verses here said that Jesus was marred beyond semblance of a human being. He was beaten so badly that when you looked up at the cross, you did not see a man. It said that his form didn't didn't look like a child of of man. It didn't look like anything that you would call human. He was beaten so badly, his body was destroyed, and yet he breathed. His blood was everywhere. And then on top of it, it says that all sin was placed on him. One theologian says, we have no idea. We have no idea what that means. It didn't mean that a a portion of sin was placed on him. It didn't mean that a a taste of sin was placed. It didn't mean that one or two sins, and since he had never sinned, it was just overwhelming to him. No, all sin was placed on him at the cross. Everything from Eve's and Adam's sin to yours every sin that was ever committed, and every sin you'll ever commit. Every single sin of every human being ever was placed on Him at the cross. When He thought about what was going to happen, when He thought about it in the Garden of Gethsemane, thought about what's going to happen, and He said, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me, but yet not, your, not, not my will, but your will be done. And it says that he was sweating blood. It wasn't because he was worried about the beatings. The beatings and the cross were temporal. They were just momentary. The reason he sweat blood was thinking about what, was going to, what it was going to feel like to have every sin placed on him. The thing that he had never tasted. He was God. He was pure. And the thing that he hated most. Every sin. Every single sin he bore on that cross. That theologian says that when that sin, when those diseases... Because you're gonna, we're going to read here in a moment that by his stripes we were healed... Every sickness was placed on him at the cross. Everything. He said, this theologian says that, that at that moment, what it did to his body is probably why it didn't even, he didn't even look human anymore. Because every disease, every sickness, every, every sin, everything that is evil in the world was placed on him at that point and he paid for it once and for all. These verses slide right over into Isaiah 53. It's it's not a different thought, it's the continuation of the same same thought. Isaiah 53 beginning with verse 1. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. So Isaiah is seeing Jesus on the cross, but then it's almost like, you know, if you've seen in a movie where you see one scene here and then all of a sudden kind of in a hazy area over here, you start to see another scene. He starts to see Jesus as a young man. And it says, he says, when you look at him, he, he's nothing special. He had no majesty. He had no... We didn't look at him and go, whoa, he's good looking. He was just a guy like you. He was just a human like you. He There was nothing special about him. He wasn't, you know... Think good looking. I don't know. I <laughs> He wasn't movie star ish. See, that's not a word. That's why I couldn't, I didn't, just didn't it. I know. Yeah, right. He's, he wasn't movie star ish. He wasn't glamour. He wasn't on the, the front, he wouldn't have been on the front page of any magazine. Really? You're the, you're the poster boy of God? You're right. No, he was just average. Probably even a little less than average, just like you. And even probably a little less than, less than, less than average, like me. He knows what it's like to be ugly. This is a real message. This is a real message because here's the deal: we can't. We, there's something going on in the human mind, in the human soul, that doesn't allow us to receive everything that He did for us. That's the point behind this whole sermon: is there's something in the human understanding, the human condition, that doesn't just say that did it all. We somehow feel like we have to do something too. Whether it, you know, oh yeah, but you're God, you know, so I understand you did, but I have to suffer a little bit too. No, what he did, did it all. All of it. And he experienced everything that you've experienced. Everything. You read through his life. Everything. If you were born out of wedlock, so was he. If he was despised by his own relatives, if you've been despised by your own relatives, so was he. If he was looked down at, if you've been looked down at by society, so was he. If he was rejected, we're going to get to that, he was rejected by men. For he grew up, verse 2, for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a, young, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows. If you've ever been sorrowful, if you've ever ached in your heart, so did he. He was acquainted with grief you know that there's no mention of his father after the first few verses of each book? Joseph is never mentioned again. We don't know what happened to him. There's not even any history of what happened to his earthly dad. More than likely, he died young. If you've ever lost a parent and you thought it was absolutely, completely unfair, he knows how you feel. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. You think... We think humans think that the only thing that Jesus may have done for us was forgive our sins, like a few of them. You know, we have to atone for some other ones, you know, the ones that, that we we did before we got saved, anything afterwards, boy, we gotta help with that. You know, we gotta pay for a little bit of that, we've got to walk around and feel bad and you know and beat ourselves up. You know, it's just the sin is what he took. No, he took care of everything. He took care of your sorrow. If you have sorrow in your life, he paid for that. If you have grief in your life, you don't have to walk that by yourself in your own strength. He said he died for you to have his strength, his power, his might, his victory in all of it. Verse 5. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. When they hung him on the cross, when, he, when they put nails through his hands and through his feet, when they put the, the crown of thorns on his head, and at the end of his life, after he died, they, they ran a spear through him. He was pierced for your iniquities, your failures, your shortcomings, your anything, anything that does not measure up to absolute purity and perfect. He he paid for every bit of it. There is nothing that nothing that he died for that you that you can hold on to and say, "Well, I have to deal with this." No, he did it all. And the reason we struggle Many times as believers, once we get saved, we have this momentary elation that, oh, great, things are good, and then we just fall back into struggle, and, well, I have to deal with this, and I have to deal with this habit, and I have to deal with, with this pain, and I have to deal with this sickness, and I have to deal with this poverty. It's just part of, the, it's part of what I have to do to lift up Christ. No! Did you hear that? I could say it louder if I needed to. He paid for it all. Once and for all. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. You know, there's a verse that says, there's a way unto man that, they, that seems right but it leads to destruction. That that way, the way that seems right to man that leads to destruction is your own way. The way you want to walk it out. The way you want to do it. The way you want to live your life. There is only one name under heaven by which men may be saved. And that name is Jesus. Jesus. There was a man named Muhammad, he died. Still dead. There was a man named Buddha. Siddhartha Gudumar, I think, or something like that. I don't know. I learned that in like fourth grade. I don't know. I still there. It's a snaps just fired there all of a sudden. (laughs) He died. He's still dead. There's no other name. The only one who didn't stay dead is Jesus. And now you might say, well, how do you know that? Come on, it was 2,000 years ago. You weren't there. No, but there were eyewitnesses who saw it happen. They were, there were eyewitnesses who talked to him afterwards, who ate with him, who walked with him, spent 50 days with him, 40 days, 50 days, something like that. They spent time, they saw him rise to heaven. And those same people, you think, well, yeah, those, those, those people made it up. No, there were 500 of them the last time. And those 500, many of them died declaring that is the truth. I saw it happen. I, Why would they do that? Why would all of those people and many hundreds of thousands since put their life on a fairy tale? How many of you will die for Dr. Seuss? No. How many of you will die for anything that's not true? There's 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 hardly any of us that would die for something that is true. George Washington was the first president of our of our uh, nation. Come here, I'm going to kill you unless you you know unless you you know decry that unless you say you put that on. Was George Washington the president of our nation? There's you know, very few of us that would go, yeah, go ahead pull the trigger. That's important to me. But there have been those those early believers who saw it happen and said, no, I'm, I'm telling you, I saw him rise. I saw him afterwards. He lives. There were still holes in his hand. There were still holes in his feet. He did all those things that, I, that he said he did. I, he's, he's risen. We're going to kill you if you don't renounce that. You're going to have to kill me then. Because it's true. It happened. The thing is, that's God's way. Putting your life on the line and saying, I will do what is right. I will follow Him. I will obey Him. I'll let Him be the Lord of my life. I'll do it with everything that I have. And I will give up my own life. Doing it our own way is, no, I want to do things my way. I want to live the way I want to. I want to make the choices I want to. I want to, do, I want to go do whatever makes me feel good right now. That way leads unto death. You will die in your sins. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that was led to the slaughter, and like a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. You ever wonder why that was? You ever wonder why he never said a word? Every time in the New Testament, every time that's recorded where somebody came and questioned him and charged him and tried to tried to pin him down and they tried to corner him and they tried to whenever they tried to do that, he all he had to do was say a few words and they went, Oh, yeah, okay, never mind. He, he could outwit them. He, could, he had all the wisdom of the universe. He could, he could just ask them a simple question. He didn't even have to make a statement. He could just say, you know, a seemingly unrelated statement. And they go, oh, yeah, you're right, never mind. They, they walk away. The only way they could, and it says that he laid his, his life down willingly, the only way they could kill him is if he kept his mouth shut. He knew if he opened his mouth, he knew if he tried, if he said anything, they'd go, okay, never mind, yeah, you are who you say you are. Standing before Pilate, the only thing he said is, you said it, not me. Pilate said, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, you said it, not me. That's it. Before Herod, he never said a word. Whatever you want to do, Herod, go ahead. He said a few words on the cross, powerful words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He wasn't talking to the people in front of him. His, because all sin, all, all sickness, all disease, every evil thing in the earth was placed on him in that moment. And at that moment, God turned his back on him because he can't look at sin. He, he, the sin was being, The sin was being paid for and he couldn't even look at his own son. If you feel like you've been rejected by the most important person in your life, Jesus felt that completely. And the last thing he said was, it is finished. The actual Aramaic words are tetelestai, the word's tetelestai. It's a, Aramaic was, the, was the, uh, the trade language of the day. It's what everybody spoke, and that's how everybody could trade. Everybody could come with their sheep and go with their money and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And tetelestai was at the end of a deal. They're dealing together, and they said that they agree on a price, and when I give you the money, you take the money, and we shake hands, and we say, tetelestai. It's paid for. He declared to the whole world, everything is paid for. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who, consider, who considered that he was cut out cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. That's talking about when, when Jesus looked at this. It even says this in the New Testament. It says that he looked at the cross, he went to the cross, and he despised the cross. He looked at it and said, I don't care about you. I know what I'm getting at the end. And that's what these verses are saying leading into it. He says he didn't, he didn't go there. He knew the sorrow. He understood the pain. He understood what he was going to go through. And he did it anyway because he knew what he was going to get on the other side. He was going to get you. And he was going to get anyone else who would believe in his name. Anyone else who would say, I'm going to to take that. I'm going to take that. Because I can't pay for that in my own. I can't do what he did. There was only one. You go all the way to the book of Revelation. And it says, who is worthy? It says heaven went silent because they said, who's worthy to do this? And it says that a lamb came forward. And that lamb was found righteous. The only one who could do it was Jesus. You can't. None of us could. The only way it worked was for him and him alone to do what he did and to experience what he experienced and to suffer what he suffered. And he did it with joy. He did it going, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm going to do that. Because they're worth it. What's going to happen on the other side? The joy we're going to have for eternity. The the people that aren't going to be destroyed forever is going to be worth every second of that suffering. Every second. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Because he did what he did. If you allow him to be the Lord of your life, if you start, if you say, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this, I'm tired of the sin, I'm tired of the old ways, I'm tired of who I used to be, I'm tired of all the failings, I'm tired of the sickness, I'm tired of the pain, I'm, I can't do this, I can't live that way. Jesus, I accept what you did on the cross. I accept your death, I accept your, your suffering, I accept your payment. When you do that, it says that he becomes your intercessor. What's a, what the heck is an intercessor? It's somebody who sits next to the Father. He sits next to God and says, that one's mine. That one's mine. That one's mine. That one's mine. And whenever you need anything, he says, hey, that's mine. And we've got a covenant with that one. They need something. They need help. They need somebody to, 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 to take that grief that they're experiencing right now. They're, they're, that one right over there, that one's mine. I paid for the, He's interceding. He's saying to the Father, they're, 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 that's part of our family. we got to help them. We're going to help them fully. And He did it to transgressors, people who were originally in sin. People who were originally enemies of His. He did it for them, for us. He did it for the worst of us. He did it for the best of us. Because the best of us couldn't get there. Best testimony I've ever heard in my life. The best testimony. It's the guy that introduced Deb and I to each other. I knew this kid. This kid lived on the streets. When I first met him, he literally lived on the streets. His parents had kicked him out of their house. They told him one day, we don't want you around anymore. They kicked him out. He did whatever he had to do to live. He was, when I met him, he was 17. When we met each other, he was just a little, just, he had just turned 18, was a little bit older than 18. Still, I think he had an apartment at that point. But I asked him one time because he had gotten saved. Before that, he was he was a mess. I said, Corey, I said, how did you get saved? And he goes, Oh, it's easy. He says, I was at a meeting one night, and the speaker got up and says, I have never drank a drop of alcohol. I have never taken a drug. I have never slept with a woman outside of marriage. I've never smoked a cigarette, I've never done this, I don't swear, I don't do this, I don't do... I've never done any of these things, but I need... Jesus. And without Jesus, I'm lost. And I needed to make Him the Lord of my life. And Corey said to me, he goes, if that guy needed Jesus, I needed Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. That's the best testimony I've ever heard. We all need Jesus. Every one of us. Turn with me over to the New Testament. Second Corinthians. Chapter 5. Begin with verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation therefore we are ambassadors for christ god making his appeal through us we implore you on on behalf of christ be reconciled to god for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin that in him we might become the righteousness of god Through that death, burial, and resurrection, he reconciled the world to himself. He paid the way for anybody who would receive. The only people who have to go to hell are the ones who reject that. His, his, he says he has many mansions, he has many dwellings, he has all the room he needs for every one of us. The only ones who have to spend eternity separated from him in hell are those who say, "Nope, don't want that. Thanks anyway. And people, people make that decision for some of the stupidest reasons. First and foremost, I want to be my own boss. I want to do things my way. I want to do this. I, I want to lead. I want to be in charge. A few years, a few measly years on this earth being the boss is not worth eternity separated from God. It's not. It's not worth it. Yeah, but I haven't had enough fun yet. I want to have some more fun. I had a guy tell me one time, i had been sharing Christ with him, he, he was asking me questions. I've I, been sharing with him for, for a number of weeks, a number of weeks, have different over lunchtime, over whenever we were working, whatever. And he kept asking me questions. He thought he was, he thought he was pushing my buttons. He thought he was playing. He was, he was having fun with me. But the questions started, his questions and, and my answers started to get to him. And one day I said, all right, you have to make a decision. It's time to make a decision. Everybody has a time when they have to make a decision. God says it's now. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait till tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow is. But I said to him, you need to make a decision. Do you want to receive that, what he did, or do you want to do it your own way? And he says, here's the deal, John. I get it. I believe everything you're saying. I totally understand what you're saying. I I know that I'm going to be separated from God without Christ. I understand that. I get it. But I still want to do it my way. That's the last time I've ever seen him. That summer ended, that job ended. He went on his own way. As far as I knew at that point, as far as I knew, he had, he, he had rejected God. Five years later, I was talking to a friend of mine, having breakfast, talking to him, and he made a statement. he said something to me. He just said, said something just goofy. I said, What are you talking about? He goes, you know, so-and-so. You, you know, that he's he's in playing in this Christian band over in the cities. I said, I don't know who you're talking about. Never, I don't know what you got. Don't know him. I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, Yes, you do. You worked with him at the at the camp. You know, Clint. I went, Clint, Clint. I only know one Clint from the camp, and he wasn't a Christian. He goes, He is now. Glory to God. He all of a sudden realized it wasn't worth it anymore. Apparently, I still haven't seen him. I am looking forward to heaven and go up to him and, and just push him. You know, what the heck were you doing back then? Think about it, dude. It's like playing Russian roulette with with eternity. Hello. It's what it's like. You keep keep doing things your own way. You keep being the boss. You keep being the Lord of your own life. It's like playing Russian roulette with eternity. You don't know when it's done. I have too many friends that it happened, it ended like that, and they didn't have a chance to do do it a second chance. You don't know. Am I trying to scare you? I'm sorry. Yeah. Jesus talked about hell. He talked about the horror of hell. You need to understand. I had a friend. I have a friend who's still not with the Lord, not not walking with God. He told me I want to go to hell. That's where my friends are going to be. And I said, you don't understand. You won't see them. And if you do, the 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 pain and the suffering and the torment is going to be so much. Party is not what's going to be on your mind. But that's the foolishness of man. That's the foolishness. 1 Peter, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 21. If you have not been writing these passages down, I encourage you to check on the website and the, the Facebook page and we'll figure out some way to get you these references. It's good to, to read through these on your own. And I'm going fast. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 21. For to, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who justifies. One of the only other things he said on the cross, The one of the only other things he uttered in that whole day was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't understand. They don't understand when they reject you. They don't understand when when people reject Christ. They don't get it. And I pray this morning that every one of us gets it. He himself... bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. He died on the cross so that you would stop sinning. He died on the cross so that you could stop sinning. But your sin. We're going to take a poll. I want everybody to be honest. You're in church. How many of you sinned this week? Don't. I'm don't. Don't. I'm kidding. I was just. Don't raise your hands. Please don't. You should raise your hand. Did you sin this week? We'll talk about it later. You don't have that sin is forgiven. Now you shouldn't have done it. Stop it. Just stop it. Knock it off. Quit doing that. Quit doing that on purpose. Quit making that choice. Quit living that way. You don't have to, He's given you a better way to live. But if you did something, just tell Him, Lord, I'm sorry. Going into this sermon, I'm I'm not kidding. During worship, all of a sudden I remembered something, an attitude thing, you know, a thing. And I'm sitting there going, oh, crud. I'm going to go up and preach right now. Shoot. (laughs) Father, I'm sorry. It didn't take three days of going, oh, I'm an idiot. I'm so terrible. Greg, you're going to have to preach, man. I just can't. I don't make it. Oh, you weren't weren't qualified either. Great. Wonderful. (laughs) Debbie. Nope, not her either. Great. Wonderful. I'm so stupid. I just, I'm so worthless. Get over it. He forgave you. You're forgiven. He does not hold your sin against you. Yeah, but I keep sinning. What's wrong with me? You have a flesh. You're in a body that wants to keep doing wrong. You have to take control. Stop it. Quit thinking that way. Quit acting that way. Quit looking at, quit looking at that. But that's separate from, God, I'm not worthy. I just, I'm so sorry. I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve you. I don't deserve... That's wrong. I can't use the stupid word too many times in a sermon. That's all that people remember. But you don't have to do that. You don't have to beat yourself up. He was beaten. He suffered. You don't have to. Father, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Preach. Let's go. Same same thing with healing. Well, I don't deserve to be healed. I don't deserve for God to provide for me. I don't deserve for God to protect me. I don't deserve God's favor. Yes, you do. Completely, a hundred percent. No questions asked. It has nothing. The only thing that sin does is it causes you to separate yourself from God. He never. He said he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He did that to Jesus. He forsook. Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God did forsake him. I can't help him. I'm not going to help him. He turned his back on him. But he also says, I will never forsake you. I will never forsake you. I'll never forsake you. Why? Because he did it to Jesus. He, Jesus paid for that. When he looks at you, he sees righteousness. The only reason you can't, you feel like you don't deserve this, don't deserve that, can't have this, can't walk in that, is because you decide I don't deserve that. I, I just, I'm sorry, God, I, I'm such an idiot. I just, I can't do that. And you remove yourself from that anointing. That we got to stop. That, that has to stop. Last. Verses. Romans 8, 31 through 39. I have more. But this is where we're going to stop. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. Says this. It is God who justifies. He is not sitting there 24-7 looking at you going, well, you know, you got all this stuff you did last week. Sorry, why don't you come back when you get it figured out? No. He says, who's going to bring a charge against you? Nobody. Nobody brings a charge. There's only one who's the accuser of the brethren. And that's the devil. The devil's going, you screwed up. You don't deserve it. You sinned. I saw you sin. They saw you sin. God, he sinned. I don't care. He's justified. Get out of my way, you liar, you thief. And he looks at you and says, come here. Come here. Oh, I can't. I can't. I got to put some fig leaves on. Just come here. You're forgiven. I love you. Stop doing that. I mean, how many of you? Well, I shouldn't ask that. Whenever my children have sinned against her, their mother and I, we deal with the action, but we love them. That's how you love your kids. We deal with the action. Okay, stop doing that. But I love you. Come here. Come here. He is a better father than I am. Sorry. He does not hold a charge against his elect. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised who is at the right hand of the Father, who indeed is interceding. There's that word again. He is interceding for us. He's saying, they're righteous. They're righteous. They deserve it. They get all of it. Everything that's mine, they get. It's theirs. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or disaster, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No! That that verse right there is for another day. God's showing me some stuff on that. I encourage you to read that verse. Romans 8, 35-37. There is something there that we need to understand. I don't have time this morning. No, verse 37, In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will separate or will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Once and for all sealed, done. You need Jesus. You need Jesus to be the Lord of your life. You need Him to take it all. You need to look at that. If you've never done that, if you've never accepted what He did on the cross, if, you ne- if you've never said, I can't do this in my own ability... I'm going, to put, I'm going to take what you did on the cross. Since, since you paid the price, I'm going to believe that. I believe that you paid the price. I'm going to take that, and I'm going to apply that to my life. I'm going to say, I'm in. I'm one of yours. Uh, you be the Lord of my life. And from that day on, nothing can separate you from the love of God. The only thing that, can, that, that would cause you to not receive it is if you walk away and you reject it completely. No, I guess, never mind, I, wasn't, I was just kidding, I, wasn't, I don't want that. There's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved. If you've never received Jesus Christ, if you've never received and accepted the debt that he paid for your life, this morning is your opportunity. Don't wait. Don't play Russian roulette with eternity. This morning, please everyone stand. The way that we do that, the Bible says, repent, repent from your sins. You know what, sin? I'm done with you. I'm going to live for Christ turning repent means to turn 180 degrees i'm no longer going to live and walk this way i'm not going to make those decisions i don't want to do this anymore i don't want to live like that i don't want to i want i don't want to think that way i don't want to act that way i don't want to do any of that stuff i want i want what jesus has jesus i want you and the bible says repent turn around had the other direction, Jesus, I want you. That doesn't mean that those things might not try to keep happening because they do. I'll tell you, they do. But that's when you go, God, I need your help. I don't want to live like that. I know I did. I did that yesterday. I'm sorry. I I, I didn't. I did it. I did it willingly. I did it. I was. I'm sorry. Okay. Now I don't want to do that anymore. Your strength, your power. I want you to be Lord. Lord, you lead me. I want to be with you. I want to be in your presence. It says that the the word says he can be in his presence all the time. He's here right now. Where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst. Father, I repent. Jesus, I accept what you did on the cross. Come into my life. The Bible says he's knocking. He's knocking right now on your door. You may, you may have never made this decision before. And you feel that pull. You feel the Holy Spirit... Convicting you, telling you that what I'm saying right now is right. You hear that. You're hearing, you're feeling that inside. You feel this draw to let Jesus be the Lord of your life. You may also have done this before, but you've walked away from God. You're sinning on purpose. You're doing things on purpose that is causing you to walk away from His presence. You're making decisions that are causing Him, to, causing yourself to be, to, to withdraw from God's presence because you want to do it your own way again. You want to live your own way. Stop it! repent you can repent right now jesus you get to be the lord of my life i'm always telling him lord you get to be the lord of my life lord today be the lord of my life lead me i want to do i want to go where you want me to go i want to do what you want me to do i want to live my life in, in the way that you want me to live from now on jesus you are the Lord of my life. That's it. That's how it happens. It isn't a ceremony. It's not a, you know, we do a baptism. We're going to do a baptism next week. And if you make that decision today, I encourage you to be baptized because that is an outward, explan- or an outward uh, act of an inward decision. But it's that simple to say, Lord, I repent of my sin. I repent. You could be saying that right now as I'm saying it. Lord, I repent. Forgive me for my sin. I accept what Jesus did on the cross for the payment of my sin. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. From this day forward, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. You get to be the boss from now on. If you prayed that today, if that's your heart, if that's your cry, if that's what you want, tell somebody I don't care if you've never been saved. You tell somebody. Tell somebody you came with. Tell tell somebody you brought. Tell somebody, hey, I prayed that prayer. We've heard that happens on a regular basis. I've heard, I've had people say, I heard somebody say that to their friend as they were walking out. I prayed that prayer this morning. And if you've, if you've been following Christ for years and now you've, you've been rejecting him lately and you've been walking away, but you want to come back, you want to be fully, fully obedient to him, you say those. You tell somebody, hey, I made a decision this morning. I want to walk for God. I want to walk with God. I want him to be the Lord of my life. Tell somebody. The power of your word. The Bible says if you confess him with your mouth, you will be saved. Father, Father, I thank you for each of these. I thank you, Father, for their heart to hear your voice. I thank you for your words that bring life. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for loving us so much that even when we were yet sinners, you died for us. Thank you. and Father, I just bless the rest of this day, that time of family and friends and food and sun. I pray, Father, that we'll be blessed and have a fantastic time throughout. Father, I thank you for safety and travel for anyone who's driving and anybody who's driving there or driving here. And, Lord, I thank you that in all of this you'll have fellowship with us and you'll enjoy us as much as we enjoy you. Thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.